Well, good morning again, everyone, and welcome to worship again. Now, not only to those of you who are here in our contemporary service, but also welcome to those of you who are joining us in the traditional sanctuary. I'm glad that we have this opportunity to learn from God's Word together as one church family, even if we're not in exactly the same place. And speaking of learning from God's Word together, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to open those up in a few minutes as we learn together. If you don't have a Bible with you, our ushers are going to come up the aisles. They've got Bibles that you can borrow during this hour and just stick them on the racks in the back of the room after worship today if you'd like to use one during this worship service. We're learning from the Bible today about the wounds and the, and the injuries and the struggles that we have in life, and we've all got them. We're learning to think about what place those have in our lives and what God, how God wants us to understand those and what we might be able to do with them. A lot of times the injuries and wounds we have in life are things that kind of go on for a while and have some lasting consequences. And I have actually one physical injury I've had for a number of years, and it kind of starts with an embarrassing story, so I thought you might like to hear that. Uh, it's, a, it's an old basketball injury that came from uh, my senior year in high school, so it's getting to be quite a long time ago now. And I was playing at an open gym right before uh, state tournament time for my high school team. So my coach was a real big fan of what happened in my life here. We were playing at an open gym, and it was a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And the church where I grew up had recently built a gymnasium. And so we were having an open gym there on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And we were playing some basketball. We've been playing all afternoon. And we got to the end, and there wasn't a lot of people who still wanted to keep on going. But there were two teams to play three-on-three. And so we were playing a three-on-three game. And I have to confess to you that I can be a little bit of a competitive individual sometimes. And so we're playing that last game, and uh, the teams matched up really well. Uh, at least two out of the three people did uh, matched up really well. But the third person on each team, me on our team, and on the other team, and I was, a, I was a senior in high school. I was just about the same height that I am right now, quite a bit lighter, but about the same height that I am right now. And the other person on the other team was a ninth grade girl who played on our high school girls basketball team, and she was phenomenal. She was an amazing basketball player. She was a great shot. She was way quicker than I am. Uh, but I did have a little height advantage, you know what I mean? And so uh, we were playing this game, and I would kind of play off a little bit because it's kind of embarrassing and silly to just block your shots all like this all the time. So she was doing even better than she always would do. She was scoring a lot of points, but we were kind of trading baskets, and it was good until we got to the very end of the game. And it was a tie game, and the next basket wins it, and she has the ball. And I don't remember if I mentioned that I'm kind of a competitive person. And so she goes to take that shot, and I leap up in the air, you know, rise up. And I swat that shot away, big tough guy that I am. And I swat that shot away, and I came down, and I landed right on top of her foot. And, uh, and she's fine, by the way. <laughs> Me, not so much. I just rolled my ankle right over and tore the ligaments on the right side of my right ankle and had to go to the ER. It was a very proud moment for me. Had to go to the ER and... And I, don't, I think I got some, some of the not best medical advice ever, and then maybe I didn't even follow it the best ever and didn't do my therapy the way I probably should have. And the result is that I still ache in my right ankle, uh, sometimes when the weather's colder than it should be, but that never happens. Sometimes uh, just when I'm wearing shoes that I shouldn't be or whatever, I, I still have the linger effects of that, of that old injury resulting from something in the past. And I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that a lot of us have, in many cases, physical injuries or wounds that go way back and that maybe still have consequences right now. Maybe not injuries or wounds, maybe illnesses or diseases. And sometimes those things have concrete causes. We can point back to an event and say, this is where that happened. I know where that came from. But sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes it's more the kind of thing that just feels like the random intrusion of chaos into our lives. And those are the times that's a little bit harder for us to deal with because those are the times we start asking the harder questions. Maybe we're asking the God questions. What, where, where did this come from? Why, why is this here? Why, 
did God let this happen to me? What does this mean for where God is in my life, if it's serious enough? But it's not always even physical wounds that we carry from the past to now. Sometimes the wounds that we carry are wounds of the heart, wounds of the mind, wounds of the soul. And again, sometimes we can look back and say, I did that to myself. That was the result of an unwise decision that I made at some point. Maybe it was the result of a whole series of unwise choices that I made, and now I'm still suffering the consequences of that. But it's not always that either. Sometimes it's something that somebody else said to us, something that somebody else did to us. And man, those things can cut deep, and that can make real pain. And that pain can go on in our lives for a long time, and we're still dealing with that. And it raises questions in our lives. And here we are now, it's three weeks since Easter. Believe it or not, it is springtime and Easter was three weeks ago. We celebrated that Jesus is alive. And now we're in the middle of this series together that's called Awake. We're learning to be awake to, to wake up to the resurrection life and the power of God in Jesus Christ. But a lot of us still have wounds in our lives and it, maybe it sharpens up the questions for us a little bit. What are we supposed to think about that? What are we supposed to do about that? Is it, is it even okay to still have wounds in the resurrection life, or does that mean that something's wrong with us? Does it mean that something's wrong in our relationship with God, that we don't have enough faith, that we haven't responded correctly? Are we kind of damaged goods now? And how should we act in response to that? These are questions that we all face, and fortunately for us, I think the Bible has some really clear things to say about that, particularly in the stories of Jesus' resurrection, as we are reading the stories just after Easter. And one of the things that I hope centrally that we'll learn today from the Bible is that wounds are still present in the Christian life. Wounds are still present in the resurrection life, but I also hope that you'll see that they're different now. They're present but different. And I think that getting this right from what the Bible has to teach us today is really pretty critical for the way that we relate to God, for how we understand who God is in our lives, and also for how it is that we can obey God in our lives and do the things that he wants us to do for us to understand that wounds are still present in the resurrection life, but they're different now. But let's read from the Bible and see just how it is that they're different and what, what is it that they mean for us now. And I want to begin with uh, a reading from the story that we read in both of our worship venues in John chapter 20. If you have your Bible, now's a great time to open up to John 20. I want to read you verse 25. And if you have one of the Quest Bibles from our worship venues here, this is on page 1588. And the, and the context for this reading is that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, alive, risen from the dead, has appeared to his disciples. But for some reason, Thomas wasn't with them. He had a big basketball game or something. He was over there. And Jesus appeared to the disciples, and they told Thomas about it, but he wouldn't believe it. And, and this is what it says here in John 20, 25. So the other disciples told him, that is Thomas, we've seen the Lord. We've seen him. He's not dead anymore. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, now just hold on there for a second because there's something that's pretty easy to take for granted in this story and I think I usually do and, and maybe you do too. Thomas believes that the marks of the crucifixion, Thomas believes that the wounds of Jesus would still be visible. I think that's interesting. He doesn't believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, but he believes that if God had raised Jesus from the dead, it's reasonable to think that the wounds would still be there. Thomas believes that the wounds, he understands maybe intuitively that wounds are still a part of the resurrection life. Now, I think it's easy for us to feel otherwise than that. I think it's pretty easy for us to feel like when we're in pain, 
when we're struggling, when we're suffering, when we've been hurt, that's when we most sharply start going, where's God in this? Why did God leave me behind? Why has God forgotten me and let this happen in my life? That's a pretty common way for us to feel. It's a pretty human way for us to feel. The Bible tells us, in fact, that Jesus probably felt that way on the cross at the darkest moment of his life. The Bible says that as Jesus was dying, he cried out this prayer, and it's interesting that he actually was still praying, but what he prayed was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me here? Why have you let this happen? Some of you may know, maybe you've heard before, that those aren't actually, Jesus didn't make those words up. Those are the words of Scripture. Those are the words of one of the ancient Old Testament Psalms, Psalm number 22, as a matter of fact. Sometimes isn't it the case that when life gets the hardest, it's when you have the fewest words left? Maybe Jesus had none of his own words left, but he prayed the words of Scripture that had been hidden in his heart and in his mind from years of reading them and praying them and probably singing them as as they sang the Psalms. But then Jesus shows up with the wounds, and he shows them to Thomas, and they mean something different now. They no longer look like the signs of God's abandonment. When it looked like sin had won, when it looked like pain and suffering had won, then Jesus was raised from the dead, and he showed that that was not true, that those things had not won, but God had won. Now the wounds are the testimony to the ongoing presence and care of God, not the absence of God. Wounds are still present in the resurrection life, but they mean something very different now. Now they can even be the marks of hope. But the wounds that we have in our lives cannot only tell us something about where God is in our pain and in our suffering, but the wounds in our lives actually can tell us something about who God is when we struggle. Let me show you what I mean with another verse from the same story. If you want to stay there in John chapter 20, this is still page 1588, by the way, and I want to read you verses 27 and 28 out of this story. This is Thomas said, I can't believe it, I'm not going to believe it. And about a week later, and Jesus apparently took a little bit of time. He didn't just show up to Thomas right away. But about a week later, he came to Thomas, and, and this is what happens next. Then he, that is Jesus, said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. This is the climax of the whole Gospel of John. Everything that this life story of Jesus has been trying to tell us comes to a head right here. Way back at the beginning of the Gospel of John, there was this verse. In John chapter 1, verse 1, John wrote this poetic, powerful introduction. And he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was Jesus that he was talking about. But nobody else in the whole Gospel of John, nobody else in this whole life story of Jesus ever says again that Jesus is God. They never call him God again until the very end of the book right here. And when Thomas sees the wounds of Jesus, he says, my Lord and my God. Now, the reason this is important for us to understand is because there there was already somebody else in the world of ancient Thomas and Jesus and the Gospel writer John There was already somebody else who was using that title. There was an emperor in ancient Rome that went by the name of Domitian. And I brought along a picture of Domitian to show you here. This is an actual Polaroid. It's exactly what he looks like. This is a sculpture of the ancient emperor Domitian. Domitian was an emperor in the first century in ancient Rome. And he had another title besides emperor. Can you guess what that title was? In, In ancient Latin, it was Deus et Dominus Noster, our Lord and our God. 
believe it or not. That's a lot of self-confidence, don't you think? See, the people of Jesus' world already had somebody that they could call our Lord and our God. And now, in the telling of John, in the Gospel of John, in the words of Thomas, there's kind of a contest here. There's a contest between the one the whole world recognized as our Lord and our God and the one whom Thomas would call by that name. And this Domitian, this Lord and God that everybody worshiped, he was really powerful. He wielded the power of life and death. He could let you live if he wanted. He could kill you if you got in the way. The Roman Empire and the emperor was the personal representation of all that the empire was. And the empire had no qualms about wiping you out if you caused a problem for them. That's how people got crucified. It was the extension of the power of the emperor of Rome that crucified Jesus and put these marks in his hands in the first place. That's what our Lord and our God did. And now Thomas sees the wounds in Jesus' hands, and he says to him, my Lord and my God. There's a contest here between the crucifier and the crucified. There's a contest here between the one who wields the power of death and the one who lives by the power of the love of God. And all of a sudden, the marks of the wounds mean something entirely different. They're present in Jesus' resurrection life. But whereas a day or two earlier, they meant Caesar wins. They meant the power of death is unbeatable. But now, think about this. How powerful is the one who wields the power of death when the one he killed got up from the dead? Now what are you going to do? The wounds meant the victory of Caesar a day or two earlier. But now we see they mean the victory of God. And I think that's so important for us to understand as disciples of Jesus, as those who learn to walk and live in the way of Jesus. Because in our world, everybody still worships Domitian. We do. Not by that name anymore. We've come a long way since then. But for as far as we've come, we haven't come very far at all. Our world is still tempting us to believe at every turn in its way of winning at the game of life. Our world is trying every day to persuade us that the one with the most power wins. The one who has the most bombs, the one who has the most resources, the one who has lethal poisons to send through the mail, the one who can cause the most destruction wins at the game of life. And that's a lie, but this last week in our world has been a week especially full of those kinds of lies. And nobody ever wins at that game. All we can do is control the damage of losing. And I'm glad that we have structures in place in our world that try to contain the damage and try to limit the damage. But we don't have a power unto ourselves that actually wins at that game. It just makes it worse. But the Bible casts a different vision for us. The Bible opens up a whole new avenue by which the power of God is unleashed in the world for him to do what we cannot. And now the wounds that we suffer are not signs of weakness and they are not signs of defeat. They are rather the very locations, they are the very places where the life-giving power of God breaks into the closed system of our world and creates life where we could not. And then it is possible for someone to win the game. And it is God that wins the game, full of hope and life. The wounds that we have may still be present in the resurrection life, but they're very, very different now. Now they're a testimony to who God is in our pain. Finally, these wounds are different because they can also be a sign, they can be a sign for us of what it means or how it is that we obey God in this life. I want to show you, that, show you some passages in the Bible that show us that when we are facing struggle, when we are facing hardship and pain, that might be a sign that we're actually on the right track in life. 
Let me give you a couple of verses here. These don't come from the life stories of Jesus in particular. They come from the stories of Jesus' life in those of us who follow him. And in the biblical example that I want to show you, these, these examples come from the life of the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bible still open, maybe you want to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. And I want to read you Galatians 6, 17. This is on page 1710 of your Quest Bibles. The, the context here is that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in ancient Galatia, and he was making an impassioned plea for the truth of the gospel. This is what Jesus means for you. And he had to kind of establish his credentials that he was trustworthy to say this stuff. And at the very end, when he has one more chance to say, really believe me, trust me on this, this is what he says in the second last verse of the book of Galatians. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. Why? For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The marks of Jesus. Now, I think sometimes we read that verse and think that it means more than it actually means, but I know clearly what it means is that Paul had wounds on his body. He had suffered physical persecution for the sake of his faithfulness to Jesus, and he would go ahead and continue to be faithful to Jesus, come what may. And now he would follow the example of Jesus in this also, that he too was wounded. And that was a sign, he meant for that to be a sign to the Galatians that I'm actually trustworthy. I'm actually being faithful to God because it's that hard for me. And let me give you just one more verse that kind of completes this, I think. It's from the book of Colossians in the New Testament of the Bible. It's Colossians 1.24, and if you have a Quest Bible, it's page 17.28. This is near the beginning of this letter. I'll just read you what Paul said to this church. He said, now I rejoice, right? I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul's saying that there is a trajectory of the life of Jesus, and it's being fulfilled in me and in anybody else who walks the way of Jesus. And one of the things that it means to, to walk in the fulfillment of this trajectory, to walk in the pattern or to be conformed to the example and life of Jesus, is also to take wounds in this life. That is a remarkable thing for us to see in the Bible because we don't usually think that way. The normal way for us to think is this is really hard this hurts. This isn't making me happy. This isn't easy. God can't be in this. This can't be what God wants for me. I better turn away to an easier path. We think this in a lot of areas of our lives. We think this maybe in something as mundane as our marriages. We think, I don't know. This is, I'm feeling a lot of sacrifice here. It's hard for me to submit my desires and wills to the desire and will of another human being. This requires a lot of commitment. This is painful. This is hard. And the way of the world is to say, ah, oh, maybe, maybe it's all wrong. Maybe this didn't work out right. But the way of the gospel is to say, you might be on the path of life here. And I want to speak a word to you today that encourages you in your struggles, not discourages you. Sometimes we might experience this in the way that we practice the value of generosity. Maybe the way that the Spirit of God is working in your heart is causing you to sacrifice things in your own life, your own comforts, your own possessions, to try to help somebody else, to take care of somebody else, maybe to support the spread of the gospel, the mission of the Great Commission, to make disciples of Jesus in this world, to bring this hope to everybody. But the way the world says, ah, that's kind of crazy. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. We're supposed to keep everything we can for ourselves and maximize ourselves. And maybe we dabble in a little charitable giving here and there because that makes us feel good, especially if somebody else sees it. But to actually sacrifice your own good and comforts for somebody else, I think you're doing it wrong. But the gospel says, no, you're on the right track. You're probably on the road to life. Maybe you experience this in outright ridicule or persecution or challenge for your allegiance to Jesus. 
Your commitment to be here, to come to worship every Sunday on the Lord's Day, to honor God, comes with sacrifice because there are other things you could be doing right now, other priorities, and you've given up, and maybe you do have to give up on things to honor God by coming to worship on the Lord's Day. And the world will say, I don't understand that. Why would you do that? But that's probably a good sign because the world will not understand what it means to follow Jesus because the world worships a different Lord. It's got a different set of priorities. The gospel says you're on the road to life. You see, wounds are still present of all different kinds. Wounds are still present in the resurrection life. But they're very, very different now because now they are the marks of Jesus in us. I think it's probably the way that these passages, the way these lessons from the Bible intersect with your life and mine and all of our lives are going to be pretty different depending on the circumstances that we find ourselves in at any given moment. Maybe for some of you, you have wounds that are very present. They're very present in your life right now. They're fresh and they hurt. And maybe they're causing pain in your relationship with God. One of the biggest burdens on my heart from this passage is to speak a word of encouragement and hope to you. To say that having wounds in this life does not mean that God has forgotten about you or abandoned you, or left you behind, or that God has something against you, or that this is the way, necessarily, that God wants it to be. The story and example of Jesus tells us, as a matter of fact, that it was exactly at the moment when we most fear that God is absent from us, that God is probably most truly present to us. And the Bible promises us that God will redeem us. He will lift you up and redeem you from your pain and bring healing to those wounds. Maybe in this life, maybe soon, maybe a long time from now, maybe in the age to come. But one day, God will carry us all to that day when there will be no more wounds and no more crying and no more mourning and no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. And so, yeah, there are still wounds in the resurrection life, but they're very different now. Now they are a location of hope for God to work in our lives. So some of us may have wounds that are very present in our lives, but some of you may be in a different place. It may also be that you have wounds in your past that God wants you to use in somebody else's life or that he wants to use from your life in somebody else's life. You know, in the story of Thomas and Jesus, Jesus shares his wounds with Thomas. And when Thomas sees the wounds of Jesus in the, in the resurrection life of Jesus, what he sees there is the power of God. And it moves him to faith. And I know from my own experience and those the experience of others that very often it's the stories of the wounds that God has brought us through that can be the strongest testimonies to the power of God in our lives to bring life out of death. And yet those are the very things that we are often so very reluctant to talk about. Maybe it's because it still causes us some pain to think about it. Maybe it's because it's embarrassing for us. Maybe we're afraid that people will think less of us if they know that we've been wounded. Maybe it's just because we think nobody wants to hear about that. But the truth is, people are dying to hear about that. And the reason that people are dying to hear about that is because people are dying themselves. Because everybody's wounded. I can't think of anything that we all have more in common with other human beings than that we've all been wounded. I don't know, so maybe God is stirring something in your life. Maybe there's something that's happened in your life that God is prompting you about that you could use to share and give a word of hope to somebody else. Something about which you could say, this is where I have been. Let me tell you about it. Let me show you. And feel free to reach out and touch my life and ask me whatever you want. Because I want you to know that God has the power to bring life from death and that there is hope. 
See, wounds are still present in the resurrection life, but they're different now. They could very well be a tool that God uses to bring life to somebody else. Maybe you've got wounds that are very present for you. Maybe you've got wounds in your past. Maybe, maybe you've got wounds in your future that you need to stop being afraid of. Is it possible that God is calling you to something even here today? Is it possible that God is calling you to something in life and maybe it won't be easy? Maybe you will encounter opposition. Maybe it will require sacrifice. Sometimes that's part of following Jesus. And the word of the scriptures to us, to you today, might be, don't be afraid to walk that road. And it doesn't mean you have to go looking for something hard to do. It doesn't mean you have to try to maximize suffering in your life. When I read the life stories of Jesus, I can't really think of a way that he was thinking, how can I make this harder? How can I make people hate me more than they already do? But he was faithful to God's calling in his life, and it led where it led. Is it possible that God is calling you somewhere in your life today? And the word of God to you today is, fear not, don't be afraid, for I am with you. See, the risen Jesus, here in the resurrection life, the life that we are waking up to, the risen Jesus is still the crucified Jesus, but now raised from the dead. And so wounds may still be present in the resurrection life, but they're different now. Now they are the marks, not of death, they are the marks of life because they are the marks of Jesus in us. Let's pray together about that. God, you have the power of life, and nobody else does, and we worship you, and we pray that you would bring your power into our lives. We pray that you would bring healing and relief to our wounds, bring peace where there is brokenness, health where there is pain, joy where there is sorrow. Do your work in our lives, Lord. And use whatever has happened in our lives according to your purposes. We follow your lead because we love you and we trust you and because you are alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.